0: It's official, more or less. The General Services Administration is bending nearly all of its efforts towards the idea of customer experience. That's what Federal Acquisition Commissioner Tom Howder told the Coalition for Government Procurement the other day. Well, what does that mean for contractors? We turn to federal sales and marketing consultant Larry Allen. So, Larry, you heard this, customer experience CX seems to be pretty much the word now, the byword at GSA. What does it all mean?
1: Tom, I think for contractors, uh, it's a question worth asking what it means for them. I know that contractors consider themselves to be customers of GSAs just as much as they consider GSA to be a partner through which they serve their mutual government customer. GSA, I'm not sure, always looks at contractors as potential customers, but they are. There are companies that use the services that GSA provides to reach a government customer. So I would hope as GSA moves forward with this that they would think about ways of looking to increase contractors and include them in to the customer experience. And indeed, Tom Hatter, the Deputy Commissioner for Federal Acquisition Service, really did touch on that uh, in his remarks. You know, they want to make sure that Uh, It's easier for business to do business with government. They want to attract contractors. And I think the big significant thing, because we've heard that general phrase before, Tom, we want to attract new businesses to government. Tom Hatter and a couple of other GSA speakers took that a step further at the coalition conference, saying after they get the contract, we really want to help those companies get a contract award uh, and do business, actually get business develop business over time, so that they just don't have the, the license to fish, they actually catch some fish.
0: Yeah, and over the years, though, isn't it fair to say that GSA has, especially in the schedules program, done a lot of alteration, if you look at it versus 20 or 25 years ago, the price reduction clause, the ease of getting... Uh, onto the GSA schedules, the consolidation of the schedules took a lot of complication out. So is there anything more they can do at this point other than answer the phone on time and answer emails quicker and that kind Uh, of thing?
1: (laughs) Well, you know, certainly I think that acquisition workforce training, Tom, is always something that's critically important to ensuring that the strategy put in place at the top of the agency gets implemented at all parts of the agency. Uh, If you talk to GSA schedule contractors today, that message isn't always getting through. So I think one of the things that uh, GSA needs to focus on, and they know this, is to ensure that the strategy that they have for ease of use of the schedules programs gets out to the line level people. One of the other things, though, that I'll give the agency some kudos for In this area, you talked about getting rid of some of the rules, consolidating the schedules. But one of the other things, Tom, that GSA has done is they've really significantly improved contractor training. It used to be that they would take slide decks from other people, repurpose them, uh, and the last person that walked in the room was unlucky enough to be the one who had to do the training. Now GSA has much more purposeful training. It's regular. It's much more polished, and it's free. So if you're a contractor, even one that's been on schedule for a little while, uh, availing yourself of some of the free training, a lot of which is now focused on how to actually get that business and what do you do once you get the business? How do you manage it? You know, those are significant new additions that are designed to make contractors' life better.
0: So it would be incumbent on contractors to tell the GSA what it is that they can do to make the customer experience from the contractor standpoint better because that steady feedback over the decades has really helped GSA because over the long term, it does listen.
1: Right. Uh, As with many other parts of our life, Tom, there's no real benefit to suffering in silence. If you've got an issue, uh, it's absolutely worth taking forward, making sure that people know about it, giving the agency a chance to work on it and address your issue.
0: We're speaking with larry allen president of allen federal business partners and on that whole getting business when you have a contract with through gsa brings up the topic of the eis the enterprise infrastructure services contract which everyone has supposed to have converted to by now or they keep moving the deadline out you're saying that this telecom contract might be dead
1: Well, Tom, if you look at some of the major agencies that have yet to do serious conversion on this, large parts of the Department of Defense, Department of Homeland Security, uh, and Justice, those are three agencies that GSA just pushed out the transition deadline to till 2024. That tells me and it tells everybody else that, look, it's been five years since we've had the EIS contracts put in place You need two more years on top of that. You need seven years to transition. Come on. Transition was something that customer agencies wanted to do. If they actually felt like they needed this contract, Tom, they would have done a lot of their transitioning by now. And a lot of that transitioning would have been something other than what we've seen to date, which has been lift and shift. Sure. We're now on EIS, but we're on EIS with many of the same, solutions and functionalities as we had on the old networks contract the only thing that's changed is the contract vehicle so all that's by way of saying i think everybody industry gsa and customer agencies need to look long and hard at whether there needs to be another iteration of eis or whether eis be the end of the line for catch-all telecommunications contracts. They're expensive for industry and government. Uh, They take a lot of infrastructure to manage, and agencies just don't run out to take advantage of the new technologies and savings when the new contracts get put into place. Just the opposite. Many of them have to be dragged kicking and screaming uh, to just lift and shift what they already have.
0: And maybe the difference between now and the networks era is the advent of cloud computing in which the infrastructure of the agency itself, its own network, its own mainframe set up and all of this is less important and less dominant than it was now thanks to the use of clouds for so much essential and, and uh, mission-critical computing.
1: Well, and I think that's exactly right. I and mean, it's also basically look at how people work now in the federal workforce, Tom. What's happened over the five years since EIS was put in place? Well, the pandemic's happened. The result of that is, Tom, that how people work and where people work have changed. Uh, People are working more at home. They are doing more on Zoom or Microsoft Teams or one of the other virtual platforms that you can do over your computer. You don't need a telecommunications infrastructure to do that. In fact, you and I are doing this interview on one of those platforms right now, not using the phone for a lot of reasons. Uh, So uh, that type of work has changed. The technology has changed. People have cell phones, but really EIS as it's currently constructed is not a major player in the cell phone world in the federal market. Uh, It handles some periphery uh, things uh, related to cell phone use, but not the main type of stuff that you associate with having a cell phone. So GSA has other contracts for that. So the type of work is done is, uh, is changing where that work and how that work gets done is changing a large telecommunications contract that had at its core everybody having a desk set on their desk. I don't know that we need that anymore because not everybody's at the at their desk.
0: Larry Allen is president of Allen Federal Business Partners. As always, thanks so much.
1: Tom, thank you very much, and I wish your listeners happy selling.
0: We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand. Subscribe at Podcast One or wherever you get your shows.
2: Hello, I'm wife CEO Shane Canfield, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Lessons in Leadership. I'm honored to be joined by Angie Bailey, founder and CEO of Ananda Life. Angie has a remarkable career in public service, beginning as a GS2 clerk typist with the Social Security Administration. And over the next 40 years, Angie steadily worked her way up through the government, ultimately becoming the Chief Human Capital Officer at the Department of Homeland Security. she has been recognized with presidential rank awards by two administrations, for leadership, innovation, dedication, and commitment to the country. Angie, thank you for joining us.
3: Thank you, Shane. What a pleasure to be here.
2: Angie, you've made quite a name for yourself as a leader in the federal workforce. Who was the first person you remember looking up to as a leader? And what about them inspired you?
3: You No, I often think about this because, you know, sometimes we think of the people that we look up to the most as being somebody that throughout our career has, you know, been at the highest levels and all. But, you know, I've got to go back to honestly, whenever I was 10 years old and uh, I remember I really wanted to play Little League baseball on a boys team. I was the only girl. And interestingly, it was the women who would keep saying to me that, no, I couldn't play. And then one day, whenever I was there to sign up yet again, uh, there was this guy, his name was Delbert Beiser. And uh, I remember he had like red hair and he had a of tobacco in his mouth and greasy overhauls and everything. And he said, you know, I'll take her. I'll take her on my team. And, you know, just looking back on that, there's so many leadership lessons and things that I just really admire about him. And actually, I thought about throughout my entire career, he took a chance on somebody he didn't know. He um, put aside whatever conscious or unconscious biases that he might have had about having a girl on a team. He treated me the same, uh, whether stepping in or stepping up and taking on the challenges that sometimes no one else wanted to do.
2: Angie, thanks so much for joining us today.
3: Oh, thank you, Shane. It's such a pleasure. I I really appreciate you giving me this opportunity. Thank you.
2: This has been the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm CEO of WEPA, Shane Canfield. Looking forward to talking to you next time.
3: Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile, more resilient, and more secure. Not helping employees learn new cloud skills causes your business to become less agile, less resilient, less secure, less innovative, less profitable, and, well, ultimately less of a business. Don't become less of a business. Try Pluralsight and get your employees everything they need to learn new cloud skills. Learn more at pluralsight.com vision. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely.